Tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lucky, and today I'm joined by Tristan. And this week we've been playing Seventh Continent. Uh, before we get to that, though, it's just um, a reminder that Lifeform has gone live on Kickstarter. Oh my goodness, it's Woo! now probably live by the time this goes out, but it's not actually at the moment, which is a strange position to be in. <laughs> very much on the cusp of you pressing the go live button, so it's the day after tomorrow from when we're Less recording this. Less than 48 this. hours, yep. Yeah, but because of our podcasting schedule and time travel, it's going to be well and truly live by the time we get around to there. This is a message from the past. <laughs> so um, what the people search for, they just search on Kickstarter for Lifeform. Lifeform, all one word. Intergalactic terror, like you've never seen in a board game before. And Tristan's going to be watching and refreshing every 20 seconds. <laughs> At this a... <laughs> point, by the time this podcast goes out, I won't have slept for about 72 hours, I expect. But if you don't know about Lifeform board game, it's absesolutely brilliant. That's not just my opinion, but opinion shared by at least six other people. Tristan puts the gun back on the table. (laughs) You should definitely go check out the Kickstarter page. There's going to be a ton of content on there. I think there's an overview video about the game itself. There's a playthrough video and then hopefully um, links to lots of extra material as well. So you can really see what the game is about before you decide to pack it. But if you're interested in that sort of game, interested in sci-fi, strongly recommend you check out Lifeform and Kickstarter. So back to our scheduled programming. (laughs) So we've been playing Seventh Continent, which is an epic adventure um, exploration for... Was it one to four players? I think so, thereabouts, yeah. You could probably add more, I'm not sure how that would go, but yeah. Massive, um, massive card game. This is the one that, on the second, so the first Kickstarter went over a million, the second Kickstarter raised over $7 million yep. for Seventh Continent. Um, some French guys called Serious Pulp threw it together, and it's a, like a loving homage to all the choose-your-own-adventure books from the 80s, like the fighting fantasy adventure books by yeah. Steve Jackson and Livingston. And, um, but it's all in card format, so you're going through like over, literally probably over a 1,000 cards, um, that make up the map that you're exploring, yep. that tell the stories of the um, the continent that you're traveling around. It's a very unusual game. What did you think? It's ridiculous the amount of cards. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. It's so heavy. The box is so heavy. <laughs> and it's just cards. It, it nearly threw my back out and I lift it. <laughs> it is beautiful though. The box is amazing. The artwork is insane. It reminds me a lot of um, the artwork for Archipelago. That's everything's from a very top-down objective viewpoint, but yeah. then the amount of detail that's actually gone in there to the point they actually give you a little plastic lens magnifying glass to yep. check it out in further detail, see if you can find any uh, Easter eggs in there. And there are game-like related Easter eggs, aren't there? Like yes. it, there's secret numbers on the tiles, so you might be exploring a tile and it's got you can, roots off in each direction, but on the actual tile itself, there's a hidden number. And if mm-hmm. you spot that using the magnifying glass or your eyes, if you've got good eyes, you can go straight to that tile number and swap it out. That's it. And all of a sudden you've found like a hidden passage or a secret cave or something. And it's really cool when you find them. It feels like <laughs> a massive achievement. It's a lovely little, yeah. No, it's a really lovely mechanic. Yeah. Um, but a, kind of a strange game in terms of like how it plays out and stuff, right? You're, yeah, definitely. So you're, you're essentially a character or a team of characters if you play multiplayer. 
And uh, I've played the solo once before. I managed to get off the first little island. Uh, we'll try and avoid as many spoilers as possible here. But we played it through again tonight and I sort of was a silent partner to Lecky and sort of guided him through it, but also managed to forget everything that happened. So it's all kind of a new experience again for me anyway, because uh, it's some time since I played it. But So you're struggling through this uh, abandoned seventh continent. It's the yeah. year 1907. You're a bunch of explorers. You share the same health, which is your action deck. Yeah. Which is basically you draw from that to do actions. And on each card in your action deck is a number of successes that you use to complete yes. actions. Yeah. But also you can take those cards into your hand to use as skills and you can use yeah. them to play items and other kinds of weird stuff gets shuffled in there as well. But it's, it's sort of a really strange... It's streamlined, isn't it? In a, in a sort of strange way, to the point of confusion almost. Yeah, it's... I, I, take full blame for not re- swatting up on the rules before we started playing tonight because a lot of it threw me again there's there's certain effects on cards where you can draw lucky sevens and yeah. lucky sevens will give you extra successes if you've got other lucky sevens on certain cards yeah it's there's... all a bit sort of I, I guess on the on the face of it, it's quite simple um but when you're trying to remember it and you're flipping yeah. through the rule book it's like what it's not intuitive that it's, stuff I don't it's quite deceptive isn't it yeah. like the, the like the interface of all the cards and how different logos interact with each other are straightforward it's very obvious to see what's a hunting card versus what's an attack card and the difference between those two sorts of uses is massive yeah um like a, a hunting weapon might be able to be used as an attack weapon um, but then a fishing rod might also be a hunting weapon, but not an attack. And it's just when you start getting into minutia <laughs> like that, and there's about, it must be at least about 30 or 40 different types of actions that you can yeah. take. Um, you can't physically do all of them each turn because you usually need an item or your um, objective that you're trying to succeed at needs that particular action to satisfy it. So you don't have to worry about which ones you're going to take at a time. That's usually quite obvious. But then to say when you start revealing cards to work out if you've been um, if you get enough successes or not. Sometimes you can mis mislead yourself and think that you've got successes when you haven't, and that you you, you can use successes from your hand when you actually can't. And <laughs> it took us a couple of turns to actually work out exactly what we were able to do. Yeah, and a bit of it was kind of like you know fumbling through the rules, but part of it was just having to sit there and think, right, this is how these mechanics work and this how that mechanics work. And once you've got it in your head, once it's all laid out, then it's fine. You don't generally start straying from there. It's, it's just, just waiting for that, that to point. bed in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. basically the, the mechanic is flip X cards from your deck um, and look for stars and those stars <laughs> yes. are successes. Yes. And then everything beyond that is like um, extra abilities, like lucky sevens will give you more successes and you can use skills yeah. in your hand to power them up and all, all kinds of stuff. But on the face of it, it it's it, it's not a complex game. We're making it out to be more complicated than it is because no, mostly because I forgot a lot of the rules. But <laughs> but once you actually playing it, it's fairly simplistic, and the depth of uh, skills that you can choose each turn. Um, it's mind-boggling. One it of, is. One of them snowshoes. Snowshoes. <laughs> I don't, we never got to the snowshoes bit, but that was that was com- compelling and intriguing. Um, but yeah, there's like you can yeah. search, you can heal, you can build fires, you can build equipment. Each of the equipment items lets you do other actions or boosts certain actions, and you're sort of exploring and looking for clues. Your character is cursed. We played the basic curse, the yeah. voracious goddess, and you've got to try and use what little clues you have to track down this yeah. 
source of this curse on the seventh continent and try and stop it. And along the way, you puzzle solving really and exploring. There's a very yes. tiny bit of fighting, and um, it's most it's not really a combat game. It's more you um, scaling no. cliffs yeah. and looking out at vistas over the sea. And it it reminds me, of, yeah, it reminded me a lot really when you said it was a bit of a strange game, but it is a strange game, but in a very nice way. It's very experiential. And I think that's the way that a lot of board games are going now. If you look at like the locked room sorts of mystery games that are coming out, right. or a lot of the um, campaign games that are moving towards where you've got a big box of a game and you play it and that's it, you're done because all the big sort of like story reveals and have been revealed and then it's time for someone else to enjoy it. Um, and the, the way that this game unfolded as we kind of progressed through this island, it felt like playing Broken Sword um, or another like point and click adventure or the old text-based adventures that you used to play on your BBC microcomputer. Um, <laughs> I think it, they were certainly inspirations. Yeah. So. so you'd move from screen to screen yeah. and it'd be like interact with this or did you pick up this item? There's a locked door. It needs a key. Do you have key? You don't have key. Go back. Exactly. <laughs> Eight tiles. <laughs> yeah. Lose um, health. Except you're not, you're not always too aware that you need a key. <laughs> um, but it, it brings you into this brilliant um, sort of mindset where you every time you reveal a tile it'll give you say three or four options of stuff to do so it might be go walk to another tile or look at something or interact with something and you want to do it all but you realize that you don't have enough actions to do it because they're all going to at some point expend cards from your action deck and as soon as once all your cards run out you get one reshuffle of your action deck and then when you draw a curse you're dead so oh, okay. So it's basically that's that's your timer. So every time you do something, you're spending action cards, which means you're constantly looking for ways to try and heal yeah. to get those action cards shuffled from the discard pile back into your yeah. deck. So we did a couple of hunting trips, which were nice. But then you, by the time you've done that, you're like, oh, we spent so many resources going off hunting. <laughs> Should we have just cracked on sort of thing? But no, um, it going back to what you were saying about it delivering that sort of uh, adventure exploration experience. I don't think I've played a game quite like this where each tile is like, ooh, you know, a new sort of puzzle to solve now. Yeah. Um, and before you even get to that tile, you get like an exploration card, like an adventure mist card yes. or whatever they call it. So you don't know what's going to be in a particular compass direction. You have to flip it over and it could be a, a, a series of, not a series, a choice of a bunch of different encounter cards. Yeah which could be anything from you find a spiky conch, which we found, which we were able to stick on the top of a club and turn into a musical weapon, (laughs) Um, which is just a really neat little thing. Or you could get attacked by a swarm of bees or, you know, again, don't want to get too much in spoiler territory, but there's loads of different uh, encounters that you can have before you even find what the tile is. And then the tile itself has a source of encounters. So you're always getting this great feeling of exploring. And when you solve a miniature puzzle... It's like a punch the air. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's it, yeah. Some some of those adventures as well can be um, really benign. Like you're saying, you find something, you pick it up, or you, you notice a, like a vantage point. And then some of them, it's just like, oh, You yeah. are dead. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> this angry monster doesn't like you being here. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it kind of really makes you think about those decisions. Of, so the first um, thing that we wanted to do was just open up all these missed tiles all the time because yeah. it's like it's free actions it's fine what could go wrong and then after we kind of got caught out by that once or twice we started to be a bit more careful with it a bit more reserved about where to explore <laughs> exactly yes yeah. so we started just kind of moving a bit and then um 
uncovering stuff as well as well so we were doing it and it but at the same time it never felt very procedural it didn't feel like we had to go from like tile a to tile b look at everything and then once we were satisfied we'd rinse that particular tile move on to the next one it's like we were running around trying to work out where we were why we were there and what we needed to get off it. who we were <laughs> yeah exactly um and it's there was never a, a there was never a point where we felt like we didn't know what we had to do or we weren't in control of that it's, yeah you were always got like a, a, a set specific objective haven't you yeah you're always kind of guided towards something and so it wasn't too much head scratching required it was just kind of like working out how do we go about this and have we missed something which this game is going to make you feel like you've done an awful lot of yeah you always feel like you've missed something <laughs> yeah it's just brilliant i was just i really really did enjoy the game is if, if a lot of head scratching moments though. <laughs> You've just said there wasn't, and now you said there is. I think it is a head scratcher. <laughs> it's, it is. It's one of those. Um, it it doesn't feel like it is, but it kind of is because you're looking at a tile and you're like, oh, I can go in two or three directions, or I can look yeah. in this cave. But then you're like, oh, I can go in two or three directions, but I can look in this cave. <laughs> which one do I do? <laughs> you know, which one do I expend my energy like going towards? And um, I don't think I've played another. Yeah, I don't think I've played another game like this that has such like a, a wealth of um adventure and that yeah. feeling of exploration is just that's what i love in adventure games like flipping over a card and like having a new thing happen at you is one of my all-time favorite things you know yeah. in adventure games and this this has got like over a thousand cards so you're gonna be even getting injured like <laughs> taking an injury or like a, a a head injury or you know paranoia or something yeah. like that is going to be an interesting experience it's negative but You'll be like, oh, this is a like either a new game mechanic or another puzzle to solve. Basically, yeah. how do how do I stop the bleeding? Yeah. Or, or when you go hunting, you get food, but you don't know what the food's going to be, and the, each type of food has a different effect. And if you cook it, it's more beneficial. And yeah. there's the sort of knock on effect of each of these minutiae decisions that you make along the way. Yeah, really adds up. And as a solo game, I loved it, and I was interested to see how it would play out in a two player or more sort of game and i don't I, I don't think it's harmed as much as i thought if you had a dedicated group to go through all this i don't i'm not sure if you and i for example get the opportunity to sit through the next 60 hours required to finish this yeah. campaign it'd be, it'd be sweet if we yeah, could it'd be good but but um yeah there would be other games calling yeah but it does make me think like playing that now why why did i box it back up <laughs> you know it's been <laughs> in the cupboard for like however long it is since the kickstarter um and now i'm thinking I'm going to clear the table tomorrow and just yeah. crack on with this. You know, it's that journey of discovery is really compelling and really addictive. Yeah. And the narrative that it weaves is really sweet. It's really interesting. Yeah. But then with the, the essence of the game being it's a lockbox mystery, once those secrets are out, they're out. Yeah. So it's part of that thinking you're going to put it back in the box and just wait for the opportunity we can to play enjoy the mystery. with your friends. Yeah. So yeah. then you can kind of like share that out together and discover it. The way that we were playing is we were very much like doing follow the leader. If a character moves with another character, then you only have to pay for the movement fee once, don't you? So you yeah. only burn through cards once. Whereas we suppose we could have split up and started doing different tiles at separate areas, but been using more cards to do that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced what the advantage of that would be because in any given situation where we were having to perform an action, we could chip yeah. in and help each other out. Yes. If we went our separate ways, I'm not sure you'd be covering more ground because you yeah, have to spend cards to move. Split down. Yeah, I'm not convinced if if that's necessarily maybe maybe it is maybe we've got much further and much quicker, um, 
But yeah, no, I, but I, I liked that moving together as a team and, and making the decisions. I guess it, the gameplay actually is still almost exactly the same. The difference with more players is you have an extra character, yeah. which has a very, very minor ability, which may or may not see the light of day. But you also get five specialist skill cards, particularly yeah. to your character that get shuffled into your deck. Um, and those can be really cool. And we didn't really, I don't think we realized how cool they were until we got quite yeah. a bit into the game. Your guy had an amazing healing ability and a, like a Yale education or something. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool that that came out, yeah. And um, the lady I played as had um, some uh, deciphering skills mm. and all the way through we were like, why don't we get any decipher skills? All of these quests need deciphering yeah. and then all of a sudden we found halfway through the deck, oh, she's really good at deciphering. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It's um, like a botanist research, wasn't it? That's it, research, it yeah. So I was like going back and looking at stuff that's happened. So... No, it was good, and and I guess with more players you get more variety, and you, but you are still shit. You're pooling the card deck as a resource. Yep. Um, you're but, with more players, you can have less items in play and less cards in hand. So that's how it sort of scales up and down. Um, okay, so if you were playing solo, then would you have like six item slots? We had three each, didn't we? Three items yeah. and three cards in hand, and I think if you solo, it's like four and four, which I'm not sure is that much better for the. Okay. For being penalised for having less cards and stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I can't come up, comment on the scaling there. Yeah. Uh, but since it's very much sort of a story experience game, I'm not sure if it's one of those that's massively well balanced. It also strikes me as the kind of game where you have to die quite a lot to figure out the most optimal route. Yeah. And then work your way back through it. Yeah, because it's different um, sort of get save game states, isn't there? Um, with save the setup game. And how you come back to the game if you do die. So that's quite interesting. So I've, I'm not familiar with that because we've just played once. Um, so in terms of if we did crash out of the adventure, then would we have a bit of, like there's a lot of meta, isn't there, to do with the game and the game brings that in? Yeah. So I think, for example, if we die now, <laughs> like next time we play, uh, when we go back to the start of this particular curse, you and I will know exactly where to go to yeah. get item X that gets you to quests Zed. Yeah. Uh, and we'd just go straight there and do a beeline, right? Yeah, masterfully uh, cloaked with the spoilers there. <laughs> like you work. Yeah. Oh, we wouldn't. We'd do what I did tonight and forget the last experience <laughs> and be like, what do we do with this thing again? Um, so, yeah. And, and I guess if you died a few times, maybe that would be quite frustrating having to replay through it all. I don't know. Um, so, but I don't know. We were, we were about halfway through our deck. We had a couple mm. of ways of healing. We had quite a few items in play and we were able to save the game so let's yeah. just mention that quickly i mean this to play through the whole adventure you're talking about 50 60 70 hours from what i can gather we've played for th three or four tonight yeah um, and we're closer to three wasn't it really yeah we played rally man beforehand with Raphael. oh yeah <laughs> we did um so you get to save the game which is quite a cool feature you just you take away all, all the map goes mm -hmm. away and you just keep the map card that you're on and yeah. then the next time you play you sort of restart from that tile. You keep all your gear and everything. Um, your deck is in the same state. Um, and I guess the, the sort of semi-punishment is if you want to explore back the way you came, you've got to do it all over again. I see. Um, so I suppose that stops you from just like dropping out too much, maybe. Like it gives you uh, an impetus to carry on. Maybe? I think it's just about cleaning up. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot, obviously there's a million cards. If you play through the whole map in one go, you'd have yeah. to have like six tables all pushed together to <laughs> yeah, lay it, it out. Um, and and the game does once you complete a certain element, it will yeah. it will unpack itself and start you again on another tile somewhere see. else, um, like we like we did at the end there. But 
but the uh, map is um, indexed, isn't it? It's yeah, not, it's fixed. Yeah, so it's the tiles don't come out randomly. They are like tile one is linked to tile two to fourteen yeah. to sixteen or whatever. So you, when you're working backwards, then the game's still going to resolve in the same way as it came out. But it will be covered by different mist like adventure cards. I see. Yeah. So yeah, you still won't quite know, and you'll have to redo certain encounters that you have to do to cross certain areas. Nice. It's really <laughs> difficult to talk about. It, like spoiler, yeah. spoiler wrappers. But better. yeah, no, it's. Um, I guess it it would, it would be interesting to play back through it and and sort of retrace our steps and see if we could do it more optimally. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's really it's cool. Triggered my buzz for it again. Now yeah. I'm like keen to sort of get it back on and. That's it, and well, stuck into it. like you're saying, packing the game away. But then, you, when you save the game to walk away, so really cool things happen. So a lot of the items that you craft, so you'll get an item, and it'll come into your hand, and it's more of the idea that you can build this item. You re, you know what's required, um. So you, you might take some bamboo and some wood to make something, and once it's crafted, then it's a consumable object. So you might build a shovel, and you've got five uses of that, and once you've dug five times it's going to break um so you've got special index cards that tell you how many um uses left you've got, got left, yeah, yeah uses left and that goes under the crafted item card and that goes on top of the next crafted item and you get another one underneath so it all packs away quite neatly under your character yeah it's back into the box simple but elegant little yeah uh, thing but also going back to the item crafting thing you mentioned there you might need bamboo to craft such and such an item yeah. then that also keys off the tiles that you explore. So each tile has its own sort of resources as well. Yes. A bit like Robinson Crusoe. And, yeah. You know, you've unlocked, oh, got rock. Now I can make something to hit things with or whatever. Um, and that will reduce the cost of that card to play, yeah. which is another really simple. It's just an icon on the board, um, on, on the tile. But it just, again, gives you that flexibility and, and discovery of like, oh, wow, we found we finally found bamboo or yeah. string or whatever. Now we can build this more easily. And and then once you've built an item, you can only carry in the two-player game, I think it's three items each. Yeah. So if you want to build more, you can buff your existing items. So you can craft, <laughs> yeah. like we said before, we can stick a conch on a on a brick bat mm. and uh, then it adds keywords to it. So you can play the conch bit for music or you can whack it over somebody's head for aggression. Yeah. Um, and so you, then you get to benefit from both the skills and it gets more durability if those skills match each other um yeah it's all stuff that when we were setting up and getting back into it i was like oh this is going to break my head but by the end of it i was like oh wow it's that flexibility and to have a to have that complexity and uh elegance go hand in hand yeah it takes real thought i think from the designers um and once you've got your head around it and you get back into it it just feels like there's a huge world and a huge wealth of choices even in the things you do that aren't on the map. Yeah. You know, the, the interactions you have with the cards, items in hand, um, there's think cards. You can play a think. I'm going to have a think, yeah. you know, and that'll give you a set of <laughs> benefits and abilities as well. It's just... Um, yeah, yeah. there's always the option to like reshuffle your inventory or uh, you're, you're playing around this card pile an awful lot. Yeah. So the the active deck is your health, but then you're constantly trying to bring one or two cards back into that based on um, various effects of other cards or adventures. So we got about halfway through the action deck um, quite quickly, probably after about an hour. Yeah. But then it seemed to hold there for a while, didn't it? Whilst we were kind of like kept putting cards back sort in. Treading and treading water. Then it starts to slip away again. Yeah. yeah. And now we're in a new area 
you wonder if we're going to be able to like unlock more sort of medicine or food resources or just jammy outcomes from fighting stuff <laughs> that might bring stuff back in. So yeah, and yeah. we've got experience as well. Yes, I can't yeah. remember. What, <laughs> I have no idea what it's for. I can't remember. See, like, but we've got we've got some experience. So I think it comes to a point where it'll say now you can cash in this experience and something cool happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't even want to lock that up in the rule book. You know, I just want it to yeah, it just, happen when it happens organically. Exactly. Um, just kind of and like, just be another thing to discover, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of nice moments in the game when you discover something new and it just it just makes thematic sense. Yeah. And it just brings quite a lot to the table. So you just feel like you're able to appreciate the story that's been drawn out a little bit more just yeah. because you're actively pushing it forward. You don't feel like a passenger in this game. It's like sometimes it can feel um, a bit like you're just moving around from area to area and then what's happened is going to happen. Yeah. And you just have to be at the right place at the right time. Whereas with um, Seventh Continent, it feels a bit more like you're the master of your own destiny, really. You're kind of you're discovering the things and actually pushing it. It's at not, your pace. Yeah. Sort of. You're not just waiting around for something to trigger, which can, can be uh, <laughs> away in different games. Yeah. No, right. Yeah, I think you've... Uh... You've nailed the description there. It's it's unlike anything. I think it'll trigger loads of games similar to it. In fact, you already see it now. There's stories, sort of storytelling type games are uh, really common and becoming more common. You've got games yeah. like Near and Far. Yes. Um, and, the, and these, well, I guess these are driven by really odd games like Tales of the Arabian Nights and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I love that. I love these story type telling adventure games and the way that they're developing. And Kingdom Death Monster does it beautifully as well. Yeah. Um, and but this does it in a very different way, you know, through the tiles, through the exploration, and through yeah, the yeah, you don't have to go back to the storybook. And like, although the mechanics are exactly the same, you uncovering like card one hundred and forty eight or whatever, and it gives you a little bit of flavor text, and then an encounter. Yeah, because that's not in a compendium of a book. <laughs> It just feels a bit different, although yeah. what's happening is exactly the same. No, you're right. I mean, if you could condense it all down into a you know a thousand page book or whatever, and yeah, almost have the same experience, but putting it onto tiles, having the gorgeous map art and everything, just turns it into this really tactile tile flipping exploration experience, yeah. which is just a really clever integration of yeah. the design and mechanics and the art. And then having some tiles that will resolve themselves and then attach themselves to tiles that you've just explored. Yeah, so like you can a little find caveat. like um, physical features of a yeah. tile and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and do like further exploration. Yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. Would you play it again then? I'll definitely play it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those really where there's a choice of do I let you go and enjoy it all on your own, <laughs> knowing that I'm not really going to get a chance to come back and enjoy it all with you. Yeah. Um, and then maybe just drop in every now and again to see what's going to have it spoiler free. Or do I just pony up some money, <laughs> buy a copy for myself, enjoy right. that at home yeah. um, with Helen. I've got a couple of mates that would absolutely love this sort of game. Well, I do wonder, you know, if that would be, if it'd be a good family experience. Like once I'd have to fully get the rules digested, but because yeah. of the storytelling nature of it, it's not adversarial, it's cooperative. And um, because you're working together to solve puzzles and stuff, I do wonder if that would really hit the spot with, the family and but whether or not they'd be willing to commit 60 or 70 hours to it or whether i wait for you and pick up the game where we left off or the most likely option <laughs> i dig it out solo and absolutely batter it at some point but there's a great little method of introducing having players drop in and drop out as well oh, so you can quite easily sort of stage that they sort of lose their gear or whatever or they can hand it off and that yeah 
but yeah, you can have people come drop in and out thematically. I guess they go off and get lost and then come back or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it works just like the save feature. It's very simplistically integrated and just allows you to scale up and down as required. Brilliant. Well, I suppose if you uh, you really get hooked on that um, medical examination, <laughs> it gives you a good excuse to bring it back. So Seventh Continent definitely has our seal of approval then. Yeah. It's a great, great adventure game to go check out. It does a lot of familiar things in a very fresh sort of manner. Yes. And it's an absolute joy to behold in terms of the artwork, in terms of the logos. I didn't read the rule book, so I couldn't comment on how easy it is to interpret. Um, I could have reread it before we played. Yeah, and I think they do such a good job with the cheat sheet of showing you all the different actions and how um, actions resolve and what what would happen in certain situations that you almost tr- you, you you fall into the trap of treating that as though it's the rule book, and then you get a little bit frustrated because it doesn't tell you exactly what you need to know in incredible detail. <laughs> When actually it's doing a really good job of just reminding you. Yeah. So sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, that's not what the cheat sheets are there for. You just gotta, <laughs> it's more of a learning aid. Yeah. It's also, I think, uh, just changing the subject slightly, it's a, um, it's the kind of game that could only exist through Kickstarter, I think, because there's no way like a retail publisher would go, oh, a thousand, one thousand cards, you say, in a box, you know. Yeah. Um, and in, 14 and... kilos of your <laughs> card. <laughs> So in that respect, um, you know, and obviously it wiped the floor with other Kickstarters. It made over seven million the second time around. This is like a dream project for the guys who designed it. Yeah. And they've really just put all their heart and soul into it. And it just shows absolutely comes through in every single card. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those validations like Kingdom Death. Yeah. Uh, and Gloomhaven and games like that that are just um, perfectly suited to Kickstarter. Massively overambitious projects that actually through the luck of the gods or just dedication and persistence from yeah. the team, deliver the goods and, and come up trumps. And it's just, yeah, a yeah. stunning achievement, I think. It's having that access to the audience, I suppose. And, you know, if you've got the backers behind you willing to pay for it in advance, then you can really, like, afford to put some time and effort into, you know, doing a really good Perfecting job of it. it. Yeah. Exactly. So you mentioned it was the second time around on Kickstarter for this. So is this a second edition or is it a, like just a reprint? I think of it's just a original... reprint, yeah. The, um, I think, the, well, the original took over a million as well, so it was, yeah. you know, it was really successful. Um, another thought has just struck me, we should probably play games we don't like. <laughs> like every single <laughs> one of our sessions is like, and this game is amazing. It's so go good. Um, but of course, we don't have games we don't like. We don't buy those. <laughs> well, we, we need to consult our flowchart of, is it a dungeon crawler? <laughs> is it an adventure game? Is it a Euro? <laughs> Fix them outside More of that Venn diagram. Let's, let's play Euro next time. Yeah, we, we need to do some more worker placement. Nice. So there we go. Um, Seventh Continent, brilliant. Go check it out yourself for your own opinions. If you do disagree with us, if you think it's rubbish, please comment and let us know. It'll be good to see some differing opinions from our own. Um, And just another reminder as well, go check out Lifeform on Kickstarter. Do check out Lifeform. Exactly. It's the Easter weekend. There's a bank holiday. What are you actually going to do with it? (laughs) Apart from check out, you know, other online social platforms. So make sure Kickstarter is a good place to go from there. And thanks very much. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.